Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Monday. We have big murder Monday energy today. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, big news Manic. coming out of Y Manic. Combinator. Mm-hmm. I'm going to break down why Gary Tan is going to do great and initialize is going to do great as he becomes the fourth, I believe, CEO and president of Y Combinator and why maybe some VCs hate on Y Combinator a bit. And, uh, it's, you know, spoiler alert, it's because they're jelly. <laughs> as always, such a great, it's going to be a great breakdown, though, like, this is the insight you want about this news and what it actually means for the venture industry and startups at large. Super great conversation. Then we're going to talk about some dishy Apple mm. trademark filings when things might get a little real in the virtual I might reality. even make a J trade. Who knows? Space, Anything's possible. Are coming on. Grandpa glasses at the, the helm. Specs are out. That's right. <laughs> 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 you got me. Uh, and then we're going to wrap with some thoughts on Eminem and Snoop grifting the Board Ape Yacht Club on the MTV VMAs. Absolutely gross. Uh, we'll break it down for you. Oh, my Lord. We meant to have a five-minute dunk session, and I'm just saying we got yeah, a little we- fired up about this one. It is going to be a great show. Stick with us. It's punk rock. Punk rock! <laughs> this Week in Startups is brought to you by LinkedIn Marketing. To redeem a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign, Go to linkedin.com slash this week in startups. Trip Actions was built to help businesses scale without travel and expenses being a pain point. It's the only all-in-one travel, corporate card, and expense management solution. Go to tripactions.com slash twist to sign up for free and get a $500 Amazon gift card after making your first travel booking or paying off your first $1,000 of liquid spend. And WorkOS is a developer platform to make your app enterprise ready. With a few simple APIs, you can immediately add common enterprise features like single sign-on, multi-factor authentication, and more. Go to WorkOS.com to learn how to make your app enterprise ready. Hey, Molly. Happy Monday. How are you? How was your weekend? Uh, So good. So good. So busy. Two brunches, not one. A double but brunch? two brunches, one all day brunch. I had an all mm. day brunch situation. Wow. It was lovely. W- was it lovely at a weekend. restaurant or at a, a home? I had one brunch at a restaurant and then I hosted a brunch uh, that went all day. A brunch. All right. So let me, uh, you know, it's very Delightful. important to me. Brunch is my favorite, uh, one of my favorite meals. Uh, you know, I, for a long time, it was my favorite. What, what, what are you, what's your favorite brunch item? Let's go in the, uh, the brunch draft here. What do you, what do you like? You, are you an eggs Florentine type? I'm a frittata, frittata, frittata all the way. Frittata. Yep, I love to make because a frittata like looks so fancy, and you yes. bake it in the cast iron, and it comes mm. out, and you do put the little garnish on, like some chives or some parsley, a little fresh prosciutto on oh, top. Nice. Yeah, I don't mess around. You got to boil some potatoes, right? Do that right with unskinned potatoes, and then throw those in, or no? I'll do is like a option? thin slice. They'll usually, oh. and then what I'll do is saute them in the cast iron. It's a one pan situation. So you like soften and saute your potato slices in the cast iron. With then you throw in the onions and then you eventually pour in the egg oh. on top of it all. Mm. I like a, I like a potato asparagus prosciutto with some goat cheese and chives. I'm a big oh. fan of that one. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I like I love, the, what's that? Manchego? I don't like to go to brunch. It's Manchego? like a whole like <gasps> Manchego. Excellent. Manchego? Oh man, when you're in Spain, you a, get that Manchego shave. in there. I like the shave yeah. of cheese on top, and a Manchego is perfect for that. Now, do you serve in the in the cast iron? Do you flip it over and serve it upside down, like it's supposed I serve to be? in the cast iron. Yeah, cast iron is like a more romantic kind of serving yeah. thing. You know, it's really. like so pretty. 
Yeah, I would and then the key that. to my fruit salad is mint, fresh mint. Always, oh, always great. Always yeah, gotta have that. Yeah. Do you put a little juice on it? Your your fruit salad. You yeah. pour something on lemon a or something. Juice. Or some uh, a mango juice is a really good. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like good punch up for the fruit salad. You're not using the filler fruit, are you? You're not like putting a bunch of cantaloupe and melon in there. You're Gross, using the high quality melon. blackberries. You melon need some blueberries. Yeah. I had a friend who was cheap and he would always use the filler fruit. And I'm like, this thing's 90% filler. That's disgusting. Cantaloupe and what's, you know, it's like all these melons. I, I, I like a good melon in the summer, but I like to eat it in a slice. I, my fruit salad, like, let's keep the melon filler fruit too, you know. Like yeah. I can have a banana anytime. I no. don't know. I cannot p- point to a time in my life, I think, when I've ever actually purchased melon. Like I don't, that's not a thing you buy in Cantaloupe, if it's very fresh and it's summer, you're out by the pool, you slice it, you eat it like a piece of uh, watermelon can be delicious. Yeah. I'm just saying when you're doing a fruit salad, you put it in a nice cup, Mm-mm. it's got to be some high quality expensive stuff in there. I want a blackberry. Strawberry, you know? blackberry, banana. Yeah. Okay. A little banana is okay, but you d- don't fill me up on a banana. You know? No, just like a little. It's just true. Just a little. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> this week. Anyway, uh, I brunch the hell out of the weekend. I love, love a good brunch. I have just been, you know, I, I love that eggs Benedict. You know, I love that sauce and everything. But I, I always freestyle it. I'm like, do you have salmon? Do you have spinach? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I said, give me the span. They give me the, the salmon and the spinach. Because I think of the eggs Benedict with the ham. So good. Then there's a salmon Benedict. And then there's Florentine with the spinach. I say, give me the Florentine. And then put a little salmon on it too. And I just toast that English muffin up. Mm. I'll just um, kill that every time. Hey, do you want to enable me with a purchase? Sure. idea that i'm okay. on the fence about what are you on the fence i about? found i know mm. we're a little off the rails but we gotta we gotta you know okay banter so mondays a little mon- in my Monday house banter. i'm yes. now almost two years in in my house i found the uh, remains of what used to be the pool ladder and the steps ah. of the ladder are beautiful like they're ah. from the 60s they have these starfish on the ends really oh, pretty cool. carving they're How super cool and i really want to make them into something like a table so mm. i went shopping with a friend this uh ah. weekend to this place that sells like live edge wood pieces mm. and basically it was like okay i could buy this piece of maple with like the ah. cool cracks in it have yeah. it cut in half make two benches with ah. like two steps on each bench as supports nice How and, then, and then they could be these like beautiful plant benches yeah which is awesome and would cost like a thousand dollars and i was like am i really gonna spend a thousand dollars on benches for plants wait wait what would cost the thousand bucks the piece of wood is high end to just have them custom made like oh, they would, you, the person who would do it for you yeah you would have a person do it, you're not going to do it yourself. So you'd be no. hiring a craftsperson yes. to do this. Yes. So it's so, not that much all in, $1,000, but it's also like, this is benches. Yeah, I would put it up against what you, to order something so unique as a piece of art. Yeah. And then I would look at the Delta. So if you were ordering something high quality, like two benches, mm-hmm. it's got to be two or 300 bucks, right? For a decent one. For sure. Each. So now yeah. you're at 600. So the Delta between that and what you're getting is 400. So we have to ask yourself, this is why I would do it. If this is going to be a signature piece in whatever area it is, is it worth the plus 400? I think you earned it, Molly. I'm going to, my judgment, official judgment for <laughs> excessive spending. For excessive spending, exactly. I was like, you're going to uh, enable me, aren't you? I'm going to allow. I know chat. The whole chat is like DIY. And I was like, yeah, I could probably buy this. But the piece of wood is $250. So if I yes. screw it up trying to DIY it, yeah, chat, yeah, it. which I would, yeah. it's not going to, Yeah. I like the idea. I like the it. idea. You're supporting your local craftspeople. I, that I'm, I'm going to go ahead and set up. Okay. It's okay. A little trickle okay. down is okay. I'm going to do you it. You earned it. I mean, it's not it. like you're going out to brunch. It, to put it this way. You do two brunches at home. You're mm-hmm. saving $200 each time. 
So if this makes you entertain a little bit more at home, you get two extra brunches in a lifetime to pay for itself. I just going out to brunch. It's a hella expensive to go out. I will say it's also not worth it. Like brunch is not a meal I like to go out for. You wait in line, you spend too much money when you cook a better meal at home. The problem is if there's a great brunch place, there's a place called Bubby's in New York, very famous in Tribeca. And luckily I had a, I had an end, but my Lord, there would be a line around the block. I happen to know somebody, but it was just like, am I really on a Sunday getting in line for half an hour, an hour to, to, to eat French toast or whatever the hell we're getting. And, and the answer fifteen dollars for it. I don't. It's you know, just like wheat and syrup. Like, ugh. it just mm-hmm. irritates me because I can cook a better brunch than I can get at a restaurant after waiting for an hour and then having all these like hipsters screaming all around me. I, I lived uh, in Chelsea, and there was the Empire Diner where they would make me a huge egg omelet. Chet, I would do, always do a two cheese omelet. I would get like a cheddar and Swiss. Oh my lord! If you put cheddar and Swiss in a giant omelet, it is delish. Yeah. Um, and I always read my New York Times. I bring my dog with me. My dog Toro, rest in peace, my favorite famous bulldog. I would give him half the omelet. And then other times I go to pastis, I order steak and eggs for, yeah, at the time, probably 20 bucks, 18 bucks, like a little breakfast steak and eggs. And then I'd order two, one in a to-go container, one regular, and I would chop up the raw one and I'd give it to him. Oh, uh, uh, we need a steak and eggs for breakfast. So that was my two go-to moves until one guy, terrible. I was like doing this with my egg, my, my thing. And the guy next to me, his, his uh, wife, girlfriend, whatever is like, hey, you should get that for our dog. Cause it, you know, people would have their dogs along the fences. The guy complained. To the waiter that I had done this, and the waiter came and said, "Listen, you can't feed your dog." I was like, "Well, he's done." He's like, "Yeah, just in the future, you can't feed your dog." Just so the other guy could hear it, because he said, "Like my dog eating it was making his dog go crazy." And I was like, "Dude, we both That's have our dogs at pasties. Like, are you like, come on?" No, Nick and I are going to be team brunch. Yeah, we're team brunch. You guys really are defending brunch to the death. I mean, listen, Sunday was basically Ice coffee. Like come on, brunch. Like it was all day mimosa situation, but at my house. It's nice. It's nice to host your friends. All right. Brunch is not the worst. It's not the best. It's not the best. I, I love like a great fun. brunch. It's I like get, I like a two or three hour brunch. I get the New York Times. I get some friends. You know, it's great. Life is good. I like I sitting outside. Short, I think mm. the TLDR here is that we're saying life is good. Life is good. Enjoy your life. Okay, listen, we're eight minutes in. We haven't even discussed the first story. <laughs> hey, Tom Eschbacher is here with us again. He's a senior sales manager at LinkedIn Marketing Solutions. And we're talking about their amazing report today in startup marketing, as well as how to use LinkedIn to grow your startup. What are some tactical things, not big picture strategy? I'm talking tactics that founders can do today to figure out product market fit. One of the big tactics we see here is amplifying organic posting with paid advertising. You consider a startup that raises a seed round. They post the news on their LinkedIn page and see a bunch of likes, clicks, and follows come in. They follow that then with some updates about product and they see continued traction with, for instance, HR benefit managers at tech companies that have fewer than 500 employees. That's a signal and it becomes important to then get a larger sample. And to increase confidence, we've made it super easy to identify which audiences are engaging with your organic content, your LinkedIn company page, your website, and then extend reach into those segments with our best-in-class B2B ad targeting. So for early-stage startups who amplify organic with paid, we see a 13x lift in unique reach. And those are meaningful insights to help inform product and go-to-market strategies. Such a great strategy. Head to LinkedIn.com slash This Week in Startups and get the report now so you have an edge on your competitors. And as a little pot sweetener, $100 off your first marketing campaign thanks to Tom and the team at LinkedIn. Go get that report and get the hundy. Big news today I saw in my feed when I woke up, a new CEO of YC, friend of this pod, Gary Tan. We'll certainly have him on. Uh, 
But Y Combinator has named, I guess, their fourth president, Gary Tan. Uh, fill us in on what's going on here. Yeah, this is a big deal. Um, it's a big deal partly because, yes, y YC, of course, incredibly influential. And, uh, you know, I've seen some tweets to the effect that, like, any drift that people had maybe been sensing with YC, there have been some complaints. There always are complaints over the years that it's like the batches are too big or this or that or whatever. But people seem very excited that Gary Tan is going to reinvigorate it in as much as it even needs it. But also it's a big deal because he is stepping away from the VC fund that he co-founded mm. um, initialized capital, which seems like a pretty big deal that I have questions for you about. Sure. I think, uh, interestingly, the Forbes article about this move did not mention anything about YC's former CEO, Michael Siebel, or about Tan becoming CEO. It only sort of mentioned that he would be taking over as president. But then he tweeted like, oh, no, yes, I will be CEO. He also, I guess, got his start there. So it's sort of a return to a place yeah. that he is comfortable with and super excited about. Also worth noting that just in December of 2021, Initialized announced they'd raised $700 million for two new funds. Hmm. And then this morning, so lots happening here. And then that firm announced that Jen Wolf and Brett Gibson will become the new managing partners and lead the firm. Okay. A lot to digest here. Yeah. I've come to the conclusion, uh, you know, people complaining about why Combinator generally is uh, people being jealous of the fact yeah. that Y Combinator gets to invest at a $2 million valuation and they get first bite of the apple with a lot of great startups. So if you're a VC, somebody controlling the flow of startups, you know, you might get a little jealous of it. Sure. Uh, people say this stuff about us. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, and that's part of what's informed it is when you look at how hard it, we've done 26 classes of our accelerator and looking at it, you know, now having done it, and I wouldn't, we're, we're nowhere near a Y Combinator competitor. Our, our class is a very like bespoke thing that's just for my enjoyment and the enjoyment of our team. So we only have seven people per class. Like it's very bespoke and we do mm -hmm. it because we love founders and supporting them. And, and we did take uh, a lot of, we stole a lot of notes from Techstars and Y Combinator. And Techstars and Y Combinator started at the same time. They both get equal credit for this revolution. And really, if you look at Bill Gross, who did Idea Lab, he was sort of the grandfather of all of this, but he originated the ideas. And I think the big innovation for Techstars and for Paul Graham's Y Combinator and David Cohen's Techstars was they didn't come up with the ideas and they took a very small percentage of it. When Bill Gross ran Idea Lab, they actually tried to recruit me to run a company and they were like, we'll give you 5% of the company. We own 80% and then the investors own 15%. Uh, own you know, it was like a whole different world 20 mm. years ago mm -hmm. when people were, were doing this startup incubator model. Yeah. So you give him, I give uh, Paul Graham a lot of credit. He's in it for the right reasons too. You see Paul Graham is like, I know he went off and raised his kids for a little bit, I guess, and, and handed over Y Combinator, but he's suddenly very involved again. I, I think he's even in the Bay Area doing meetings constantly. So I, I applaud Paul's- um, Interesting, yeah. You know, Back resiliency here and just mm -hmm. dedication to the brand he created. And then the totality of the number of startups we've done is essentially the size of but one of the two classes a year that they do. So, right. you know, we're right. in totally different transfer. And we've had people go from one to the other. People come to ours, go there. People go to Y Combinator, come to ours. So I don't see them at competition at all. Uh, although like people have said to us like, hey, should I go to yours or YC's? And I was like, you know, YC's got a, a much more well-known brand. Ours is more intimate, flip a coin, we'll go to both. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, we're, we'll see on the other side, whichever one you graduate from, we'll consider investing. But it has tweaked people because Paul has always been anti-VC uh, overreach. I would say right. he's anti-VC, but he has been very vocal about, hey, VCs are the enemy maintain mm -hmm. control of your company, because he had a bad experience with VCs. And he's been very upfront about that. And, uh, you know, listen, I've been critical of VCs too. Uh, you know, on their worst days, you know, they have been not supportive. So the other thing is they, they've also 
YC has been at times, in, not just anti-investor, but maybe a little, um, let's say the most cynical thing I've heard people say is that they manipulate investors. And so how do you do that? Well, you have a demo day, you put high pressure tactics on people, you have to sign or the valuation is going up. Investors, they teach founders okay. how to manipulate investors. Uh, That's okay. the back gotcha. channel for the mm -hmm. since inception, the critique. And then, you know, every year you'd have some VCs, say, I'm not going to go to demo a day anymore, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you know, th there is some truth to the fact that there are techniques that Y Combinator teaches of you have to put pressure on people, the handshake deal. Once they give you a handshake, have them sign. Don't let anybody put in more than 50K. So the whole concept of a party round and these high valuations and the safe note, the whole arc of Y Combinator has been to empower founders mm -hmm. and to take power away from investors. That has tweaked investors. Yeah. Some might argue it went too far. Some might argue it didn't go far enough that the, you know, the industry was you know, too anti-founder in the beginning. So it's a pendulum. I, I really don't care either way. You know, when we want to get on a cap table, we provide so much value. Founders, 96 times out of 100, make room for us because we have demonstrated in the field that we provide massive value. So the people who generally complain about this are VCs who don't provide enough value. And they can easily be replaced in that early stage with a dentist putting in 50k or 250k <laughs> and sure enough like <laughs> i told the story before i'm at y comedy i'm asking this kid what he does he's like uh, i'm an angel investor i'm like can i ask how old you are he had introduced himself to me had, you know oh nice things to say about my book or whatever and i was like oh that's very nice he's, i said what do you do he's oh my dad's a dentist uh he's given me like a half million dollars to put to work every year i'm you know i'm doing 10 investments of 50k each or whatever and i was like that's what vcs are up against dentists flying in from boise right to you know take if these are million dollar rounds, take 5% of the rounds, you get 20 of them, you don't need a VC. Yeah. And if the VC wants to negotiate a board seat information rights or whatever, hey, you can just do a party round and neuter every VC right. So that's the totality of the criticism, I think. Yeah. And You're not gonna hear alert, any later yeah. this week, we're gonna actually have Sebastian Malaby on to talk about the power law. And he mm. goes through a bunch of this history of yes. the development of YC. And then this entire idea that like, there's lots of other places to get money and and founders might just be like, No, thank you. We don't want this. And when in fact, you know, of course, the argument on the other side is that VCs could provide you with really good advice or a support network or, you know, people to hire or, you know, and whatever. if you don't like it, Molly, go provide more value. And here's right. the hard truth. <laughs> You see how much work Jackie puts into that accelerator. Yeah. Our managing director runs the accelerator for us. You see 16 weeks. You see 25 sessions. I mean, the yep. amount of work that goes into that. And personal introductions to personal hundreds introductions. of VCs. We basically, every single person, we write a, a handcrafted personal introduction on average to 50 to 100 investors at the end. We yeah. introduce the companies to maybe 750, I don't know, 500 people because we do maybe 15 to 25 investors come every week to meet the companies, you know, over 12 weeks. Yeah, it's like 500, right? So anyway, you put all this together. Um, we, we have like two online demo days at the end. You put all this together. YC does a ton of work, mm -hmm. like a massive amount of work. They earn their 7% as far as I'm concerned. If you don't like it, compete and competing, make a competing product, mm -hmm. which Sequoia made a product that's now their accelerator. Um, it's, oh, you know, yeah. it comes after it's a million dollars, a million dollars, right? Yeah. And it's at whatever the prevailing valuation is. And it's a small number of companies, but they do like their own two or three week training course. So it's not what Y Combinator does or Texas. What we do, it's sort of like a graduate school that comes after it or a PA. I don't know what you would call it. But anyway, create new products for founders and compete. Mm -hmm. We created a new mm -hmm. one called Founder University for people who are not yet, you know, incorporated. 
That's how you compete, not complaining. So to the investors who complain about YC, like, just shut up and just make a better product. If you can't make a better product, well, then just go to YC's, you know, then just, you know, the price you pay is you have to pay 50% higher valuation because YC has done a better job than you have and they, they work harder. Yeah, that's where I've got to do with it. Everybody complains about the winners. So let's talk about what this means for initialized. Um, so, and the history here is that Gary Tan, as I mentioned, and Alexis Ohanian previously were at YC. They started investing as initialized while they were still there and then eventually spun out this firm, which, you know, less than a year ago, I guess, December, 2021 raised $700 million. How does that work when someone who is a co-founder and a managing partner leaves a firm? Alexis, of course, already left. Um, And is that six six seven or six seven seven? Seven seven six, I think. Seven seven. Yeah, he started his own fund. He, you know, he started his uh, own fund. Yeah. So, so that, the, that's yeah, climate heavy. Alexis, come on the show. Um, uh, yeah, he's a friend of the show. He's been on a couple times. So what I would say is, um, when you look at, uh, you know, they they were two big personalities, right? And I think I don't know what the split up was exactly, but I think they're both proud of the work they did initialize, and they both went on to do. I think you know, it seemed like to me Alexis wanted had his own vision for what he wanted to do, and they both had access mm-hmm. to capital. And so sometimes it's better to be a solo dolo than it is to, you know, be in partnership and do the, you know, Batman Robin thing or whatever, Justice mm-hmm. League. So I, that's what I think happened there. Now, this is amazing for initialized LPs. Now you'd say, why? Why would it be great to I lose your leader? That. Yes. <laughs> so let's say you were a basketball team and Steve Kerr left. And Steve Kerr left to become the coach of the greatest, you know, um, college team, you know, with the greatest recruits. I don't know if that's Duke or Georgetown or whoever. Mm-hmm. Well, now you got to funnel uh, that great talent to the team. Right. And so that's what's happening here. Gary Tan is going to be able to whisper to the initialized founders and hey, look over here and hey, look over here uh, and do the interest. Now, this is the other thing. No conflict, no interest. There has been this thing that like YC is a level playing field and the VCs who come to demo day, everybody gets first shot at the startups, completely false. Um, the truth is, I know this because <laughs> I, I've seen it up close and personal. The, the best companies don't go to w- demo day. The best mm-hmm. companies clo- close their rounds before demo day. Now, Commerce says, please don't close your rounds before demo day. Please don't start raising funding till demo day. If you're a top company and you're in week two and you meet Mark and Dreesen or rule off both and they make you an offer, are you not taking it? Of course you're taking it. So the whole name of the game is to meet the YC founders before demo day. Who gets to do that? Who knows who's in it? The people in the orbit of YC. Mm-hmm. So it's been known for a long time that YC alumni, you know, founders, except like an Alexis or whoever, Justin Kahn, whoever, they get first shot at these companies. Uh, and, you know, Ron Conway, who's worked harder than any angel uh, in the history of Silicon Valley, gets first shot at these companies. And they'll clay or, you know, Sam Waltman. Uh, famously. So they cherry pick them. They'll say they don't, but you know, <laughs> of course they do. No conflict, no interest. And it's mm-hmm. life is not fair. And certainly getting an edge uh, in investing is the whole point of the game. So if you're going to Y Combinator, you're basically playing poker where the four aces have been taken out of the deck. So if there are 52 mm-hmm. cards, I would say the top 5% of the companies, 10% of the companies have already been picked off. So if you're okay sorting through the rest, as your strategy, fine, but some people, that's why they also don't go is because they feel like they've been cherry picked. Gary Tan will be able to cherry pick as he should be able to. The great companies for initialized and he's an LP and initialized and he'll have his carry still. So it's 
freaking fantastic those LPs. If I was an LP, I would be overjoyed. This would be as if, imagine there was a position that was you're in charge of recruiting for the top 30 colleges. That's more the analogy. It's not even like one college. Right. Right. So he gets to see the sorting and who gets accepted and who did really well and then who progresses really well. And then all the people running the pods over there, he gets to read the reports of who the top companies are in each pod. And then he gets to say, introduce me to the top, you know, if there's 200 people per class and there are 10 pods of 20, I'm just making those numbers up. I don't know exactly how they, they, they separate the pods. But you just say, yeah, send me the, I want to meet on Tuesday with the top two from each pod. I want to meet those 40 on Monday and Tuesday. And then just pick up the phone and, or he just tells them in the meeting, you should meet my partners over here. Would you like an yeah. intro? Great. So no conflict, no interest. Congrats, Gary. I'm so glad that we're talking about this news on this show, because that is the kind of like sort of context and awareness that is so fascinating. And you just can only adds get this the next the level game. to right? Yeah. like exactly like this is like, there's the news headline. And then there's the what this really means for this entire ecosystem. Yeah, that makes it an even bigger news headline. Listen, I have booked so many work trips in my day. I got to meet LPs, I got to do sales, I got to meet founders, all that great stuff. And it's always a major headache. Think about all the time you're wasting, especially when you have a team and people got to do their receipts. They got to get the approved vendors, there's reconciliations. It's absolutely exhausting and it creates a lot of drama and tension inside your organization, doesn't it? You know what? I want you to try trip backings because it's the only all-in-one travel and corporate card that's an expense management solution as well. Trip Actions was built to help you scale without travel and expenses being a pain point. They've made it super easy to book within your team's policies. It's a single platform that manages not only the travel bookings, but the itinerary management, the corporate card, and the expenses, and they do all automated expense reports. You wanna save costs, you wanna drive productivity, you wanna keep your employees safe, and you want to make it less arduous for them. And it's incredibly easy to make travel changes inside of TripActions app. Plus, you get 2% cash back on every purchase. Start using TripActions for business today. Head to tripactions.com Swiss to sign up for free. You're going to receive a $500 Amazon gift card after making your first business travel booking or paying off your first 1K in liquid spend. They basically want to reward you for signing up. And they want to reward our listeners here at This Week in Startups because they know that startups deal with this drama all the time. Tripactions.com slash twist. Tripactions.com slash twist to get that $500 Amazon gift card. What I learned very quickly is that this game that we do every day, investing in startups, it's about relationships, network, and advantages and conflicts. Yeah. No conflict, no interest. What does this mean? If people who are taking some moral high ground are saying, well, like, wouldn't it be more fair if like nobody knew the companies and nobody had access to them before demo day? Like, sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, it'd also be really fair if everybody made the same salary in society. Yeah. Teachers, doctors, CEOs, cops, teachers, everybody makes the same salary, right? And then nobody can every year, everybody's salary goes up 6%. And the more years you work, the more you get. And everybody has to come in at nine and leave at five. Like, that's not how a capitalist society works. A capitalist society works by you finding an edge and exploiting the edge. Welcome to reality, people. It's about <laughs> edge. And if you're not getting an edge, then you're getting cut. Period, full stop. I'm always thinking, how do I sharpen this blade? How do I get another blade? How do I put a pistol in my back pocket? How do I put a brass knuckles in my pocket? How do I put a, an extra knife in my ankle? 
I got weapons everywhere. Under this desk, I got a shotgun. I got a bat by the door. You know, I'm going to find a way to win. And guess what? That's what you're up against. You're coming into this industry. Everybody's got an edge. Everybody's looking to knife everybody mm -hmm. to get that equity. And the, the earlier you get in, the more work it is and the more risk you take. And all these lazy VCs, you know what they want to do? They want to go to the market and they want to have all the apples sorted. You, you know, you ever see like a in Japan where like they sell a perfect pair for six bucks and it's like in a little case and it's got a box around it and some cellophane wrap. You ever see that? Yeah. Pictures online? Yeah. That's what VCs want to do. Yeah. They want somebody to hand them the perfect pair. They'll pay six, seven bucks for it. They want to overpay. You know what they don't want to do? They don't want to go out and prune the pear trees. They don't want to dig up the stumps and plant another one. They don't want to put fertilizer and get their hands in the sh**. They don't want to do that. They don't want to be out there on a cold fall afternoon picking those apples and picking those pears, preparing them for market. They don't want to do any of that. They don't want to fight the bugs. They don't want to fight the crows. They just want to go to the market and just, oh, I just want to take that pear. And they, you know, they want to go off to Italy or Aspen. So if you don't want to do any work, you don't want to put your hands in the dirt, then you're paying seven bucks for the pear. Now us, we do it by the bushel. We put a lot of work in, we get seven pairs in that bushel. Mm -hmm. And we walk out with seven pairs for the price of one. Right? Now that mm -hmm. means some of them might be dented or bruised or imperfect. And we got to work with them to try to make something out of this. Right? It's a little more raw. What combinator's got the orchard? These yeah. idiots in Silicon Valley allowed yeah. Paul Graham to take over the entire orchard. They let him. And they never came and said, like, I think that's our orchard. He was just like, oh, you guys don't want to do any of this work. I'll just, okay, I'll work the orchard. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll plant all these trees. I'll make sure they're pruned. So, you know, and VCs seem to be fine with it. They raise a bigger fund and they pay a higher price and they get the apples a little more polished, a little more, you know, uh, refined. It's so interesting too. And they make it harder. By the way, this Monday energy is amazing. It's amazing. Mm. This Monday action movie energy is my jam. Um, like, I've been watching the X-Men series. Go. Also, I started watching the series Industry. Oh, so you got Ron told us about. Mind. And so Industry is basically Euphoria uh, meets Billions. Mm. You know? that's, the, that's so funny because I started watching uh, Paper Girls, which you recommended to me, which oh. is like Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets like isn't long awesome best. time travel sci-fi action yeah and i watched like three episodes good? and i was like yeah it's amazing it's fantastic it's perfect for me but i might have to watch industry also just to get like the amount of <laughs> get drugs, back my murder energy the amount of drugs sex backstabbing and debauchery on the trade desk is like nothing i've ever seen i've seen a lot so it's like wolf of wall street also it's basically wolf of wall street with you know, people graduating from HBS, you know, in their first year as a banker in London. Yeah. And my Lord, the amount of, <laughs> I mean, they kind of make this a running joke, but the amount of drugs these bankers are doing and the, the range of drugs they're doing <laughs> is insane. Makes you feel I mean, great about our financial system, doesn't it, everybody? That's what's I mean, happening. Keith, <laughs> Keith Richard watched the show and he's like, pump the brakes, people. <laughs> I was like, he thought, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, it was like <laughs> Russell Brand was like, "My God, you people are off the rails." <laughs> it's a great show, though, but it does have me thinking of just you know, and this is what I always try to do. I try to make new products, right? I'm constantly mm -hmm. trying to make new products that yes. help our founders 
And then if we do that, we, you know, I'm pre we're preparing uh, to go out with launch fund four. And we're actually going to do a 506C. So we're going to publicly raise our next fund. And I just approved the final deck. I got the bank account set up, the legal, all that stuff. We can talk about it on VC Sunday Yay, School. Let's do um, it. Yeah. And so <gasps> we'll start the fundraising thing. process. And, you know, we'll be raising it, not exactly in public, but we will be able to say publicly, we're raising a fund. If you're interested in raising the fund, go here. Right. So you have, you have to be a qualified purchaser or accredited investor, obviously. Um, but I've been thinking about our advantage a lot. And, uh, you know, trying to sharpen our blade and just be super competitive in mm -hmm. terms of deal flow. And it really is about deal flow. And that's why people get so bent out of shape about Y Combinator. They right. have control they're of, you know, large, flow. they're locking up deal flow, you know, and that's it. Um, and so, to be clear, it's working. They've invested in over 3,500 companies. They've got eight unicorns, I think. I mean, it's, they're just no more, spawning. Oh, way more than eight. I think they may have eight public companies now. Um, oh so, really well dropbox is public airbnb is public uh those I mean, are the like two back, coinbase those three are the bit those were the big three yeah i think uh stripe will be yeah i mean in mm -hmm. the early days it was very easy to criticize uh why common and i said this too like zero public companies so let, let's pump the brakes on like why how important why combinator is until you know they they get some companies and some numbers on the board and they have uh, yeah. you know you, you can't have 3,500 companies in the game we play and not have some big winners. Now we have 350 portfolio companies. So we have but 10% of theirs. We're a 20 person team. They're a 250 person team. So the numbers actually track. And yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to do that many. I sh that would be too much for me because I want to actually meet the founders. Yeah. But you well, know, that's the other thing I was going to say is that here you've got YC and they've locked up the early part. We're picking off good chunks of the early yeah. part. Yeah, and 10%. then you have all these VC funds saying, okay, fine, that's fine. We'll just keep raising bigger and bigger and bigger funds and pay yes. higher prices. But at some point, as you know, I think they even talk about this in venture deals, at some point when a fund gets big enough, it's just really hard. It's diminishing returns, literally, right? It's really, really hard to return the multiples that investors are expecting yeah. from VC. And you start to see all these extra machinations like, okay, now we also invest in public markets or we have an evergreen fund yes. or, you know, it's like trying to come up with ways to make the returns match the size of the fund. Yes. Uh, the, the, the ultimate example, a manifestation, manifestation of this is SoftBank, right? They had right. such a large fund. We did a calculation either here on all, and I can't remember, but they, I think they had to put to get put a hundred billion to work in on all in yeah in five years they did 50 months uh so they put two billion to week a month and i think they did it in less so you know you're talking about 500 million yeah. a week and yeah. so that means if you're buying 20 percent of a company the company's got to be worth 2.5 billion so they were taking companies that were worth 2.5 billion and suddenly anointing them it was right. just a crazy strategy it's um, massively distorting it's just distorting, it's distorting. to marketplaces yes. and then you get insane outliers like Adam Newman and we work because it's sure. enabled by an amount of money that just like makes everything go off the rails. Yeah. Right. If you were to look at these as like race cars and stuff like that, like you can only drive the car so fast. It needs to have the right brakes. It needs to have the right tires, you know, and if you try to take a rocket ship or a car and you make it go too fast, the thing will come apart. You know, mm -hmm. you, you have to really be thoughtful about how fast these things can go before you, and that's product market fit is what I'm talking about. Right. So you try to like spend money on marketing before you have product market fit. There's that classic leaky bucket syndrome. So you got all these companies coming into the top of the bucket, but there's two big holes in the bucket. So yeah. you're pouring customers in and they're just pouring right out where you're losing half the customers and keeping half. Well, yeah, that bucket is really, and you know, depending on how often you're losing them, if you're losing 50% a year, you got to, 
you know, really spend a lot of money to keep that company afloat. And we, we saw that, right? If you're building an enterprise app, you need to offer SSO. What is SSO? That's single sign on. It is what it says it is. Basically, the ability for enterprise users to log into your app with their existing credentials. So if you work at a company, a big company, you know that they have an identity provider. And you say to yourself, well, I can build that myself. I can write all that code and put it into my app. That's fine, but that's hard. And you're going to be duplicating a bunch of work, just like you might want to do payments, but you don't want to duplicate all that work. And then you have to maintain all those integrations in your app with every single identity provider your customers might use and new ones are coming out, the specs change, and then your login breaks, you don't know it's broken, yada, yada, yada. It is a ton of technical overhead. Well, this is why you need to check out WorkOS. It's basically Stripe for all those important enterprise features. You know how people wanted to put payments into their products and it was arduous and painful and then Stripe came out and you just drop a little code snippet in and you're done? That's what WorkOS does. Simple API plugins that let you move faster, spend less time on developers, and you don't have to worry about maintaining all those integrations. They don't just have SSOs, they also have APIs for multi-factor authentication and much more. WorkOS.com is gonna teach you how to do it. It's app enterprise ready. And if you wanna learn more about their different integrations, just go to their podcast. It's the WorkOS podcast, workos.com slash podcast, or just search for WorkOS podcast in your podcast player. Welcome to the This Week in Startups family WorkOS. You know, yeah. speaking of um, getting outside of your zone, <laughs> the J Trading <laughs> portfolio has been absolutely demolished. <laughs> oh, uh, you're not alone here, though. You're not alone. This is not a, of course not. Yes. You know, <clears throat> this is not a poor choices situation, except for maybe the one. So, speaking of which, Molly, <laughs> getting outside your comfort zone. Uh, I have invested, uh, looks like $540,000 in eight companies. Mm -hmm. I'm down 32,000 minus 6% or so uh, mm -hmm. on the original investments. Biggest win, only gain, I think right now is Disney uh, and Warner Brothers. I'm down a bit. Uh, but again, I said I would take a 10 week, a 10, I'm sorry, 10 year approach to this. Mm -hmm. Zaslav owes me nine grand. General yeah. Zaslav. Zodzlov. Sure does. Um, Zodzlov. Wow. Why didn't we think of that last time we talked about this? Ah, Zodzlov. Um, Incredible. But I am, um, I'm really happy with my bets. I mm -hmm. actually have two that are up. My original bet in Amazon is up. It's green. But, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's a sea of red now. So this is looking like a reverse Christmas tree here. Uh, a lot of blood in the streets. But I've been thinking a lot about Apple. Mm-hmm. And uh, Apple is having the iPhone 14 um, launch, I believe, yep. in a week or two. And um, we also have uh, some speculation about trademarks. And I have some thoughts on this that I'll bring up in a moment. But why don't you take us to, through some of the trademark speculation? You know, this is always like a great way to figure out what big companies are doing. Sometimes they embed code in their app and mm -hmm. these hackers find the new code. And the other way is trademarks or filings. And then the other way is hiring, big hiring. Yes, definitely. And, and job I will descriptions. say that the finding code is probably the most reliable. You know, if you have to look at the most reliable indicators, finding code is probably number one. Hires is probably number two. Trademarks, they file all the time as a just-in-case. However, there is some interesting reporting from Bloomberg about some trademarks that Apple filed that's now causing speculation that it might be getting close to a name for its mixed reality headset which of course suggests it might be close to launching its mixed reality headset. So the uh, filings in the UK, US, EU, UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Saudi Arabia, Costa Rica, and Uruguay 
are for the names. <laughs> this is so Apple. Reality One, Reality Pro, and <clears throat> Reality Processor. Now, earlier this year, trademark filings for the name Reality OS were also found mm. to be linked to Apple. So this all sort of suggests that something in the frame, you know, something in the realm of reality is what they are going to call this super secret project, which is expected to use VR and AR, but nobody knows very much else about it. Like we keep, you know, having uh, Mark Gurman, right, from Bloomberg on yep. to go through the rumors, but we're still solidly in rumor phase, but maybe Why? getting closer. All right. Number one, why mm -hmm. wouldn't Apple create a subsidy? With, uh, why would they do that? <laughs> why would they uh, get these uh, domain? Why would they get these trademarks? Well, it's obviously because that's what they're going to call this thing. But I have another question. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't they create a subsidy, a subsidiary? I'm sorry, a, a subsidiary. subsidiary that was an LLC that nobody knew. Well, they did. Hilariously, oh. they did these new trademarks. That's so funny. I hadn't read this yet. You're so good at this. The <laughs> Sorry, I <laughs> these, don't mean to be really good at my job. <laughs> these new trademarks are registered to the Shell Corporation Immersive Health Solutions LLC, which oh. was incorporated in February. <laughs> okay, uh, now wait. So then how like, did somebody tie second. it back? They found the law firm. Did they tie it back to the law firm? And then say mm -hmm. the law firm is related to it's Immersive Health Solutions Probably. LLC. This sounds to me like somebody is going through all of the trademarks and maybe somebody looked for reality or something, or they know this address, or they know the law firm that did it or something. So mm -hmm. there must be some vector that these journalists are doing. Imagining law firms, because it's I'm a I'm sorry that I'm show. like the greatest Columbo detective ever, <laughs> but I was a pretty great investigative journalist. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> You're like, wait a second. Yeah, this is a multiple shell corporation, by the way. So there's Immersive Health Solutions, LLC, incorporated in February, according to records obtained by Bloomberg News. So Bloomberg seems to have been doing some good data, data journalism here. That company itself was registered by another Delaware shell corporation. Mm -hmm. The Corporation Trust Co., which is typically used for, for filings by firms looking to avoid detection. And the mm. Reality OS trademark used that same firm, the Corporation Trust Co. shell mm. company. So now what they need to do is they need to hire a law firm. They got to get Better Call Saul, Saul Goodman, to buy these trademarks <laughs> on behalf of whatever the real IP company that Apple usually uses. But congratulations uh, for figuring this out. Bloomberg, shout out to our friends at yeah. Bloomberg. That's some good detective work. I mean, Reality Pro is so Apple. That is just so Yeah, at a pro to it. Now, we should also note that these have not been granted. They've just been filed. Yeah. FYI. I'm just saying, like, sometimes, you know, we tend to get, there's been years and decades. There have been decades of journalists getting very excited about Apple trademark filings that never go anywhere. Like, there's a, or that take a really long time. Hmm. Like, if this has been filed but not yet granted and it mm. could take some time to be granted and then it could be appealed. This could still suggest, and I don't want to throw cold water, but I do want to like room temperature us a little bit. Yeah. This could still suggest products or even trademarks that are a couple of years away from being granted and then launched. All trademarks have various periods where people can object to them and fight the trademark. So when you go for a trademark, you put it in, you have ones that are for future products, and you have a certain amount of time to have that product in, you can file extensions. There are other trademarks that are for products that have already been in market, and maybe you trademark after you've had it in market. And so 
people have a period. So they do a preliminary publishing of your trademark, then people can come out and say, Hey, I object to that it's too close to mine. And all of this is like a grand negotiation. Mm -hmm. um, the trademark office does the best job it can at making sure it doesn't compete. And they'll look at general products and what vertical so you can if I said, gobbledygook 1400. And that was gonna be my brand for my new clothing. They'd be like, I can't find anything gobbledygook 1400 in the world. Now, if I say I want to create um, a new drinking glass, and it's a you know smart drinking glass, and I'm going to call it the Apple Glass. Now, okay, uh, they would see Apple Music, as in the Beatles, Apple record label that existed before Apple existed, and all of these different apples out there that can get in trademarks, and those people would have a chance to file a grievance, like the Beatles Apple record label did against Apple, and famously they did a settlement that Apple agreed never to go into music, and then Apple, when they did go into music had to do some crazy settlement with them um, to have Apple Music, literally mm -hmm. the word Apple Music and, and the iPod and all that stuff. And then eventually they got they did get the Beatles onto that platform. So I'm very excited actually. I, I've had a um I've had a realization that Apple is going to win it all in AR. Mm -hmm. And uh, it came to me because I was talking to some Facebook folks, um, or I should say former Facebook folks. Oh, former. Yeah. Okay, that's the key. No, that really was a, delightful that's a key word there. No, but I'm I was talking former, to some former right. Facebook folks just socially, and mm -hmm. I was I had this realization of, and then I was talking about Nest uh, on social this weekend. I'm so frustrated. You're tweeting Nest. about Nest, yeah. I'm I'm just <laughs> infuriated. They had this perfect app. I asked Sundar to fire the Nest team, uh, whoever's running Google Home, because Google Home is the worst product ever created. Mm -hmm. Nest was the perfect product, and now they sell Nest cameras that force you the nest cameras force you to use google home so now i have google home for like four of my eight cameras and they have google nest for four of my eight cameras and the nest app is perfect mm, chef kiss, kiss beautiful yeah but when they made new cameras they said you know what we can make them backward compatible with the nest and their nest cameras but we already have google home and we want people to use google home so i was like oh my god this is incredibly stupid it would be like apple being like yeah I don't know. There's like two and apps. It's a stores. separate app. I mean, this is so Google. This is why it's I so never and buy Google stuff. I never do because you cannot. But I trust didn't. Them. I bought Nest stuff. They are not focused. Yeah, exactly. And so mm -hmm. I'm literally going to rip out thousands of dollars worth of Nest stuff and throw it right in the freaking garbage. And I'm so at. But I just don't environmentally feel like that would be the good thing to do. I know. I'm like, please recycle it. You could take it to Best Buy. So I'm just like, okay. Uh, you know, I'm just basically in one set of locations going with a new solution, and then I'm going to deprecate these and, you know, maybe in a couple of years when their lifespan is over, I'll replace them. But anyway, Google is so bad at hardware that I think Google is going to lose the race. Yeah. And then sure. Facebook is so bad at partnering with developers, and Lena Khan is not letting them buy but one app. Yeah. That in order to make this work, AR, VR, and we, there's no doubt that that's going to be the next platform. Mm -hmm. To what extent people use it, I think AR, I could see the majority of people using the majority of days. Mm -hmm. So let me just pause there for a second and, and make an XY, XY axis for you. The frequency of use, right? And the, the number of people. So if you're making a four quadrant, the majority of people, the majority of days. Mm -hmm. You could put the smartphone up there, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Every 80%, 90% of people use that every day. That's chef's kiss, what you want in a product, right? Let's put aside profits for a second. If pe majority of people are using a device, the majority of days, it's gonna make money. Majority of people 
majority of days are probably using a television, right? So televisions exist up there. Majority of people, majority of days are going to use a vehicle. So these are like the best products in the world to participate in, you know, if the majority of people and, and, and computers, laptops right. or desktops. Internet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Internet. Perfect example. Streaming services, majority of people, majority of days. Now, right now, the minority of people on the minority of days, mm -hmm. very few days, very few people are using VR. So you'd put the Oculus in that Correct. bottom left quadrant, kind of a bad place to be, right? Isn't it? Like nobody's really, I mean, if it was a surgical equipment or something really expensive, okay, fine. You know, like electric surfboard or a private jet, like a very small number of people, very, not very often would be a private jet mm -hmm. or any plane or any boat. Now they have to have high margins. And so, you know, it's a niche product. Google is not going to get it done. Yeah, not not as Sundar's run, Sundar is running the company currently. Well, not as to be fair, not as anybody has ever run Google. Google has has only ever been good at the one thing, and everything else has been distractions, and they've okay. never committed. So anyway, yes, I agree with you. I think Full Nest stop. was great hardware for a period, but of course they, they bought, bought it. Yes. Yeah, yep. So unlike YouTube, where they put the proper person in charge, Susan Wojcicki, before that's Lar. They had the proper management, they let it be its own thing, and they did not interfere. With Nest, they interfered, mm -hmm. right? Nest mm -hmm. interfered. They, they forced Google home down our throats. If they just let Nest be Nest, they would have proven the point that they could actually run a hardware company. Right. And okay. YouTube has the same business model as Google. It's ads. It's not, not a sure. hard integration. So anyway, yes. Uh -huh. uh huh. Yep. So I was just game varying this. Apple, nobody makes better hardware than Apple period full stop. Mm -hmm. Nobody has done it consistently over time. Sorry, that's it. BMW. I don't know some fancy German brand with a bang and Wolfson. I don't know who makes that stuff. You know, the fancy dancey stuff that inspired Steve Jobs at a time. So we can complain, you know, on the margins about Apple, but nobody does hardware better. Yeah. Who does the App Store better? Play or Apple? Yeah. Who'd you give the edge to? I mean, Apple, of course, and developers would too. They make more money, like they can have more reach on Android, but they make more money on iOS. Okay, here we go. So what is going to define who wins VR, AR? What are the hardware and experience? Okay. Yeah. Google can't do hardware. Facebook can. Facebook can't do apps because they don't know how to share revenue and build an app ecosystem. And Google can. Mm -hmm. Who's the only person who can do both? Mm -hmm. Who's the only person who can do both? Yep. It's Apple. Oh, shoot. The glasses are on. So oh, I'm looking snap. at this. Oh, know, snap, and I'm snap, just snap. thinking, if we all know that yep. this is going to happen. When I said snap, by the way, notice I didn't mean snap, snap. No. <laughs> snap can't do it either. No. <laughs> so anyway, I'm just looking at Apple. A-A-P-L. A-A-P-L. I'm looking at where Apple is at today. $161 a share. A good day to buy. So um, the J trades in. J trade alert. We made our biggest J trade today. <gasps> I have conviction. Now, I know I'm buying Apple when it's the, sh you know, the most held, I believe it's the most held stock out there. I could be wrong. It's one of the top holdings of, of all. Mm -hmm. I, I've been super critical of Apple on all the margins, but I got to go with my analysis here. Mm -hmm. I just bought a thousand shares, 161. Damn. It's a big bet for me. That's a big uh, bet. I'm making a big bet here. And I'll tell you why. I'm holding these things for 10 years. I think I don't think that Apple's going to announce any of this stuff at the next keynote or the next 
yeah, the next keynote, which is coming. I think that's the Apple. Uh, the, yeah, uh, it's like the it's next Wednesday or something, and definitely not. Definitely and they do not. three announcements a year on average. Can somebody look that up for me? I think it's they usually do three or four of these things. They don't. Yeah, they do more than like two. Two to three, I think. Well, now there's three. like there's usually the big fall announcement and WWDC, and then right. sometimes there's a rando like laptop thing. So I think it's three. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think they're announcing it now. But when they do announce this stuff, I think the stock's going to take off like a rocket. Because people are going to come to the same conclusion I just came to. Yeah. Which is Facebook sucks at apps. And Lena Khan's not letting them buy anything. And no developer trusts Zuck, nor should no they ever trust Zuck. Yeah. Google is a mess when it comes to hardware. Yeah. So we know they're not going to, in all likelihood, Molly, what year will they announce the headsets and the operating Apple? system? Yeah. Not this year, right? Oh, no. 1% Definitely chance this not. year? I would say 1% chance this year. Okay. I mean, because this is what Apple will do is that they will wait for everybody to fall on their face. Yeah. And to have a consumer experience. I was looking at my Apple holdings to see if it is indeed my biggest single holding, which I think it is. Like my financial advisor talks about Apple the way that um, that uh, MicroStrategy guy talks about Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, sell your house, uh-huh. buy more Apple. I suspect that other companies will fall on their faces for at least two years. Yeah. Before, if not longer, right? Because there has to be, because Apple does play it safe. They yes. wait until there is demand, uh, pent up or otherwise, yep. a proven business model and path forward. And then they innovate and iterate on the thing that already exists and come out and make it way better. And to me, that's a two to three year arc, Great. if not a little more. All right. So we know they're making it. Mm-hmm. That much we know. One percent of a percent chance it gets launched this year. What percent chance launched in twenty three? Like a percentage. I have my own thoughts, and then your percentage for twenty four. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say twenty five percent for twenty three. Okay. Mm-hmm. And fifty percent twenty four. I think it's okay. a twenty twenty five play. So that's seventy six percent chance it's going to be launched in the next nine quarters. Mm-hmm. I think it's 50% next year. They announce it. I think they're going to announce mm. like the dev kit kind of situation and the developer mm-hmm. goggles. Uh, I think there'll be, you know, like $3,000, two or $3,000. So developers can start building stuff. And then they'll announce the consumer thing in 24. Um, so I think there's a 90% chance. I'm going to put it at 1% this year. I agree. Very less than 1% chance. They just a little too soon. Yeah. I'm going to put it at 40% in 2023, 45% the year after. So that puts me at, I put 50% the year after. So 23, 40, 50% the year after. I'm at 91%. It's coming in the next nine quarters. Perfect time to buy Apple as far as I'm concerned if I'm holding for more than two years. Because my belief is when they show this, shit, it's going to be so compelling. Mm-hmm. When you see iMessage turn into your iMessage group, turn into a Facebook reality group, and your FaceTime turns into, a FaceTime call in VR, uh, it's going to be super compelling. And when they have all of their app developers, com.com, I have no inside information. I still own 5% of com. But when com.com is on the board, unfortunately, that would have been the dream. Imagine you put on, you have com, you have com on your watch, mm-hmm. you put on your com headset, and now you're taken to a, you know, waterfall. Mm-hmm. And we all namaste at that waterfall, right? It's going to be pretty trippy. Now imagine Spotify, yeah. you put it on. And now you go to a Burning Man virtual Mayan warrior DJ set. 
and you're at a dance party. Okay. All of those apps understand how to build world-class apps on iOS. Spotify and Calm, FaceTime, pick another. And what's your favorite three most beautiful apps? Let's see if we can I back mean, into Imagine like Pinterest. I'm trying to do or, my Boho oh redesign Lord. and I'm just oh walking through Lord. it. Well like done. I'm so excited about that. I can't even wait. Okay. So now Pinterest and oh, it's gonna be Redfin. just Redfin. Redfin. <gasps> so okay, <laughs> let's just take these. Okay. We got Redfin Com, Spotify, and Pinterest. Yep. Big four. Great examples. Nodis, tell us an example of your favorite iOS app that you think could have a, a life in VR. Those four app developers, who are they going to build for first? Right. Google, Facebook, Zuck. What are they going to build for Apple? Like, there's no chance they're building with Zuck. And it's just going to be, remember, like, when Apple launched the iPad, and then the developers were like, oh, geez, now we have to reformat all our apps. And then they were like, oh, I bet we could do an iPad version that would be a little more full-featured, and it would offer these things, and da-da-da-da-da, and then we could sell it, and then we can make money. And, like, there will be shopping enabled through these apps, and I will buy every GD thing that I see on Pinterest because it will look so beautiful because it's in my brain. They will be lining up, like, Balmer... Steve Ballmer was only ever right about one thing, and that thing was developers, developers, developers. 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 Insert the video here. Developers, 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 developers. Yes. Developers, 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 developers. <laughs> developers, 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 developers. Uh, would be amazing. I mean, the remix of that is so great. And there's like 90% of our audience has never seen that. I mean, this was... I know we are old. This was the viral video before YouTube existed. I mean, it this really thing went viral. Was. It was so great. <laughs> you didn't even think it could. The sweatiest uh, man of all time. I Steve went there Bomber's one time the to interview him and was told that you couldn't, you were not allowed to look him and make eye contact when he walked through the halls. Really? Like people had to look down. Really? Wow. Interesting guy. Thing. He's a cool cat. Interesting I guy. love him. I interviewed him one time. We, um, now that we have pumped up so much, I feel like we should just take the last five to seven minutes of the show okay. to just enjoy a good old fashioned dunking. Imagine that we are at a kid's spring carnival at school, yeah. and this is the part where we get to wing beanbags at a teeny little target and drop a teacher in an ice cold tank. It's where dunking is it? Where are you going time. with this? It's dunking time. All right. This, it's dunking this weekend time. Dunking. This is a combination segment that mm. we are calling We Live in the Future slash What the F. Ah, WTF. Because it's a, a W L I T F WTF. A version of mixed reality did occur last night on TV. Mm. Uh huh. In uh, at the MTV VMAs, no goggles required. You okay. just had to sit there and enjoy this version of mixed reality, wherein Eminem and Snoop Dogg performed their song from the D to the LBC as their bored apes. Oh. Huh. Yeah, we're going to show this 50-second second video with okay. no audio, and we're going to narrate it for you. And what you have here is Eminem and Snoop Dogg on a leather couch. And Eminem appears to be getting like a really big contact high from a blunt the size of a Volkswagen that Snoop Dogg is smoking. And then 
basically, basically like a cone that you would use in a cheerleading squad. Yes, exactly. You know, but those like the, before they were, you know, uh, bullhorns. It's like a, one of those old timey bullhorns. It's a, it's, like a, it's a super blunt. Embarrassed even describing this. So Eminem gets high. Snoop Dogg smoking this big cartoon blunt. Then they're transported to, because this is a combination music video and ad, they're transported to Yuga Lab's other side metaverse MMORPG game where they become CGI characters. And it, the CGI characters, there we go, look like they're from 2004, about the time that Balmer was shouting, developers, developers, developers. And then they transform... Really? Into their bored ape characters as they keep ah. rapping the song. This and then terrible. eventually they perform on this virtual stage that, again, is just a giant ad for this other side kind of metaverse like. Is this a real video game? Thingamadoodle. That they're promoting, or this is just like a their idea it, of a clever video to do of, at MTV Music Awards? I mean, like, kind of. Okay. Like it technically launched already on April 30th and they sold these other deeds. And yeah, you may recall that there was a brief uh, flurry on the internet of people buying like digital land and they were like, oh yeah, this is a thing. They sold those to the public. It it doesn't like there's not very much available about it, like information related to the infrastructure of the technology. So far, it seems like a play to sell digital land or sell these various NFTs because you need to own one of these NFTs in order to play. And it's not That's just board apes. It's some other ones. That's your character. Mm -hmm. They, right, they so literally are like, if it sounds really general and nonspecific, it's because it is. There's not mm -hmm. really a dedicated website. And then Fine. this was this big ad for this thing that only barely exists that was like, I don't know how else to say this, beyond cringe. Yeah, I mean, it's goofy. Um, you know, like, these guys are now like the elder statesmen of rap. They're obviously legends, but they're 50 years old with a bunch of 19 to 25 year olds at the MTV Music Awards. And they're showing a video game that looks like it was on a Nintendo. Right. From they're like the elder sellouts is what it came off as, I think. Like people well, lost this their is a super grift. Online. So remember, Yuga Labs raised $450 million at a $4 billion valuation mm -hmm. from guess the VC firm that would make mm -hmm. an insane bet like that. Interesting, yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, so that was their quote unquote seed round. So the grift here, I'm going to take a guess, is somehow they grifted Eminem and Snoop Dogg and gave them their, maybe they gave them a crypto punk and a, an ape. And you a know? board ape, yeah. I, they both own board apes, but I bet that they are getting looped in and getting some grift here. They've been handed a bag of digital assets, I bet, to do this. They probably have some land. They got castles. They got probably got castles on their side. Thing. So now they're going to flip that to some bag holders in the public. I wonder if MTV got a bag for doing this or if MTV even knows that they're being grifted. I wonder if Eminem and Snoop just came to him and said like, hey, you know, we own these like cool NFTs. We want, we'll, we'll perform if we can play our video, which is a giant commercial for this multi-level marketing scam known as like NFT play pay to play. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that these things are going to get in trouble with, you know, FTC, SEC, et cetera, as being MLM ish yeah. or adjacent. Yeah. When we look at this, you have to own, right. Mm -hmm. A character to get in here. 
So now we're going to ask kids, instead of putting a quarter into a machine or buying a $60 video game or playing 10 bucks a month to play World of Warcraft, this whole play to earn or pay to play mm-hmm. or pay to win category of games, I consider evil. I like a subscription, easy peasy, lemon squeezy, five, 10 bucks a month. I like the game is free. You pay for if you want to dress your character, but I hate pay to win right. like or pay to access like stuff. this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is predatory against children playing games. It's gross in my mind. I, if this is what's going on, I, I suspect this is what's going on. You're going to have to come up with thousands of dollars to have access to these games. The people on the top have already bought their apes. And now we're going to dupe kids or young adults into having to spend 10, 20, $30,000 on some dopey ape crypto pump to get peer pressured into playing one of these games. It's just as loathsome as when they tried to convince kids they needed to have 400 $500, $600 sneakers to right. be able to go play basketball. That they would then get killed for at school. That they would then get killed for. Yeah. This is the same predatory bullshit. It's, I mean, it's always the Sorry, same thing. And then out. the idea of, and then, Gross. you know, the idea that you've got these like influencers who are going to do it, but they're like, what I can't figure out, and we were talking about this before the show, is like, who on God's green earth is the target market for this? Because anybody who's like Gen Z... Eminem and Snoop Dogg are totally irrelevant. The if you care about things like video games and you look at these like year 2000 graphics, it's embarrassing and cringy. Yeah. The the board and then if you're mainstream, you've never even heard of a board ape, so none of this makes sense to you. You're all of a sudden just like why are these two guys cartoon monkeys? I don't understand. So there's no like I can't identify a single audience on whom this would work and all of that is exemplified by like the Reddit comments. Like if you went to r slash Eminem last night, that it was like somebody was like, this is the first time in years I've seen everyone on here agree on something. And that something is that everything about that was just a disaster. These are like some of the nicest. <sighs> we can't really even show these, but this like straight up ass <laughs> was the <laughs> response to this pretty much universally and we, that, we can't even show you any other comments it's just sad and weird and yes grifty like the, the vmas i'm not saying that everything about like a music industry show isn't some version of a giant ad yeah. but like what come the on. come on yeah. I mean, this is what i hate this <laughs> straight up ass <laughs> straight up ass i mean that's that's gonna stick here's the thing here's the thing um you're influencing kids to get involved in a very grown-up dangerous game, which is spending money they don't have mm-hmm. to be cool. And I, you know, uh, Stefan Marbury, uh, pro- arguably greatest point guard to come out of New York City, you know, he, he at the peak of his fame, created Starberries uh, with a local chain of stores, and he made 15 to $25 sneakers kids and he said listen these are as good they're made in the same factories in china as you know the the 200 ones and uh i would rather you buy these and save your money and put it towards other things in your life your education whatever putting food on the table i have tons of respect for him for doing that they were cool as f- those sneakers you know it's not cool grifting on a bunch of kids and making them feel like they have to spend thousands of dollars on a stupid nft to play a goddamn video game mm-hmm. it's gross Gross. And then trying to get them to, it's a bunch of adults trying to grift a bunch of kids to spend money to be cool, buy land, et cetera. 
If you mm-hmm. want to make this cool, let kids make their own characters for $10. If Yuga Labs was cool, they would let you use your creativity in a tool to make yeah. your own crypto punk. They wouldn't have scarcity. And they would have it. abundance. Maybe sell it. Yes. Do what and let them That's make them for 10 bucks. Right. Do what Roblox has done. Yes. Just create a gigantic interactive platform where people can create and develop apps and like be a part of a real thing, which, by the way, to be clear, is why, although everything you're saying is true, they are targeting kids and trying to influence them and whatever. None of this is going to work because no, it's going to crash and burn. Actually, you can smell a scam a mile away when you yep. are a Gen Z or a teenager or my kid or whatever. They're going to do Roblox instead because this I hope. I hope. is embarrassing for everyone involved. I agree. I mean, I hope we're not coming across as boomers, but here's the thing. I'm going to ask my son. Well, I hear what my son has to say about Eminem all day, every day. <laughs> and Listen, it's I, not I, as artists, working. I respect both of them. They've, they've made some of the great, you know, rap songs of all yeah. time. But I just, there's something about being predatory with our children that, you know, this feels like they're trying to get them on cigarettes or something, get them addicted to something that's not good for them. Yeah. And I would much rather see these kids if they want to play a game with $10,000, right? Like, I would rather see them investing in stocks. Hell yeah. And doing J trading and learning about stocks with it. Because if they buy the top 100 stocks by holdings, what's the chances that those top 100 stocks that they trade are going to be worth more, and they're going to learn more putting that $10,000 work if there was $10,000 theoretically for them to spend. And this whole, it just feels profoundly unfair to me. And I it's gross. And I, uh, Yuga Labs, for the people who are running this thing, like, think about abundance, as opposed to scarcity. Mm-hmm. And I think abundance will will trump I love your point about Molly, um, Roblox, Minecraft, etc. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to create a video game that people actually want to play where you create characters, and your skill and your creativity is what define the value of it, not how much you paid for it, or how much of a celebrity or your grift and peer pressure. Mm-hmm. And just literally make a copy of this entire concept that Yuga Labs is going off, but make it so what your character has done in the virtual world and how cool it is, how many friends it has, how artistic it is, how many people voted it up, some other mechanism for creating value yeah. uh, other than getting in early. And obviously, all these people uh, on OpenSea, employees, whatever. Uh, Coinbase front running the market. It's just gross. You got you got a real Burning Man vibe going on today. I like Sorry, it. I, I, I like I, you know I hate it. to. I'm a, I'm a It's true though. It's absolutely. I'm a true. capitalist, but you know, capitalism on children is something that gets you know it has to be executed properly. Is what I'm saying. And for kids, you're right with it has uh, to be, uh, the, with respect. It's not like you come integrity, in integrity. with integrity. That's the better word. A hundred percent. Yeah, just punch 100%. it up. Molly. Punch it up. Yeah. You made two great points there. Kids are not uh, too, aren't too savvy to fall for it. That's the other great point. You yeah, made. I mean, that's the great thing. Thank God. Here's I my hope. chart. And people and days. This is the people days X, Y axis. This is why I love my producers. Look great at this. Producers. Unbelievable. Look <laughs> at making the graphics in real time. I am the king of the X, Y axis. This is beautiful. Bow before oh, it's beautiful. General Zod. <laughs> All people every day. TV. Apple. Oh, very few people, very few days. Oculus and Yuga Labs on the bottom and left. Four days. You could also God put Lozum, 
to awesome. You really right? could listen and to awesome. Oh. How accessible it is. Accessible to all people and awesome. What's accessible to all people? Roblox. What's awesome? Roblox. You put Roblox so on the forget mm -hmm. about people days. And awesome Minecraft. to yes, accessible totally. or inclusive and inclusive and awesome. Mm -hmm. Lame and, and embarrassing. Uh, exclusionary. Yes. NFTs, Yuga Labs. Yeah. Lame and exclusionary. That's Yuga Labs, CryptoPunks, all this stuff. I mean, I hope, this it, I, hope, I hope it all goes to zero. I'll be totally honest. I'm not going to lie. I'm with you there. I don't I'm mean to. What are they? Schadenfreude? Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. I hate to have the Schadenfreude, but yeah. I feel like if you own one of these cryptos or CryptoPunks or Yuga Labs nonsense, sell it now. Mm hmm. Right. And uh, go build something inclusive. Because it's that just going to turn you into a criminal over time. If you bought this thing for way too much money and you get increasingly desperate to try to recoup that money by getting other people in on your grift, that's how you turn into a criminal. This is the slow road <laughs> to made off. People. I mean, it's MLM. It's MLM. Like it's straight the up. whole point straight up. of crypto punks and all these things is they're not going to produce too many of them. The people who got in early convince other people to get in. And then that gets those people to to basically, you know, increase the value of it. And it's unfair. Mm -hmm. Think of abundance. That would be more in line with cri the crypto cyberpunk aesthetic anyway. Exactly. You know, having been... Instead of defending NFTs to the death, honestly, crypto yeah. people should be online being like, yeah, no, run them out of town. Like, run them out of town. Because it is, the a, in theory, it is the exact opposite of what Bitcoin it's and the blockchain... Are promised which came out of cyberpunk and right my my original handle true. online from 1988 on was cyber surfer silver yes. surfer with cyber I like it. i was into this stuff like before these people were even born the whole cyberpunk aesthetic the mm -hmm. whole cyber aesthetic was that your creativity your own independence your own voice is what made you cool is what gave you cred right and your ability to help other people participate was what gave you cred, right? Your ability to teach other people to do what you had learned and to pass it on and to be, you know, radically inclusive and radically self-reliant and ra you know, all those things that are part of the Burning Man sort of um, principles. That's, the, that's what NFTs need is a set of principles. And the principle shouldn't be thou shalt grift on the next group of people thou shall pass the bag thou yeah. shall increase the value of a limited asset in a world of abundance it should be thou shall be creative thou shall pass on what you have learned thou shall be more rad thou shall be more punk the furthest thing from punk rock is mlm mm -hmm. like that's the furthest thing on an aesthetic <laughs> basis that's such a good t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> and like literally, thing, I mean, really, the furthest thing from punk rock that has ever existed is these two old guys getting high on a couch and turning into board apes as an ad. Like, as can this ad. be? Gross. This is the end. I think this is the moment that marks the end of this particular whatever killed off ICOs. This is its corollary. Like that. This is Love the it. nadir. Put a bullet in it. As far as I'm concerned, seriously, if NFTs can be created. Why not make a game? I would actually back this company. If somebody wants to make a platform where you can make these characters, but as making them, you have to contribute your assets to the collective. Mm -hmm. So I make a cool set of glasses and I'm the first person to use the glasses. So that's how I get my cred. 
but that anybody else can take my graph that graphic of the glasses the 3d model of it whatever you're forced to put it into the library anybody who uses it like a creative commons license has to attribute it back to me even if they change it mm -hmm. so it says i changed this jcal made it first molly made a version of it that's even cooler so she's you know version two and then she has her fork on my cool glasses that went on my eight. And then somebody makes an even cooler version, their cooler version number three, Nick version three. And let that be, and then the coolest glasses in the game are the ones that the most people have evolved. Yep. But it costs nothing to evolve them. Right. And any creativity you do must be put into the collective. That would be punk rock. And then it's unstoppable. So I took Kanye West's $800 sneakers, put them in the game, anonymously ripped them apart deconstructed them and devalued the entire ip of them that's punk rock yep i like this kid who created the yuga Labs. it's actually the ultimate it's the uh, it's the exact opposite of nft which is non-fungible right this is fungible fungible yeah. creations like fundamentally like mod them right. up i mean the whole idea is to have them evolve right they always yep. do these uh, evolutions of them what do they call it when they evolve them they put the serum or something anyway they, are you they, about they pokemon do, now no they do a serum <laughs> with these crit with the with the with the board apes where oh, they evolve God. and they drop but then you own the drop it'd be better if you could just evolve them and mm -hmm. so some guy created i don't know if you heard about this with work like almost as work. a minting with process creativity. yes like the by minting a contribution to the game you are able to mint an evolution yeah yeah this so is awesome. um there's an artist who created his name is uh rider rips He's a conceptual artist, and he created a project called RR slash B-A-Y-C. Mm -hmm. I thought this is truly punk rock. This guy was like, you know what would be cool? I'm going to create my own version of Bored Apes. And this LA conceptual artist um, made it. And he said, uh, I'm going to make an art project in response uh, to this Bored Ape popularity. Guess how Yuga yeah. Labs responded? Exactly. They Guess what they did? Sued him. They sued him. I mean, it's so great, though. Take to, it out back. Yeah, take it all out back. The other thing that I thought was kind of interesting about this uh, is that it turns out that maybe the Board Ape Yacht Club's logo might be reminiscent of some other logos in history. Amazing. Now, I don't know if this is coincidental. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes artists just you know, do a Google search and then they, you know, find interesting things and they build upon it. But this guy, Ryder Rips, I got to have this guy on the pod. Uh, we got to have him on. Yeah. Because respect. Yeah, but. Oh, yeah. The no, there's a whole long thing. There's a whole long, like, 27 minute YouTube video or whatever about all the, like, racist tropes and dog whistles and weird things that are also embedded in the board ape, like, look and. The, it might I be mean, a little Nazi. Everything it. about it. It might be Could like, it? there might be, like, some Nazi stuff in here. Like, it's all so dirty. It's yeah. all just so dirty. I don't think it's Nazi stuff. I think it's just some dipshit artist just found like some skater punk stuff and just did know. derivative works on it and never actually knew the source of it. Right. Right. And um, then was like, oh, wait, it actually. It oh, wait, I put a Nazi, Nazi helmet on my ape. Whoops. Yeah. Oops. It's just, just walk <laughs> away. Like just, we're just going to walk away. This is just going to be the end. Anyway, if you guys want to do punk rock stuff. Board like, apes are dead now. I think parodying board apes. You know, there's a there's a legal parody. There's protection for parody. There is I would and parody, transformative purposes. Yes. Yeah. So I would just go crazy <laughs> in just making better board apes, 
So do like a B board ape shot club or better board ape shot club and just GBA, make more parodies yeah, of it and devalue the whole thing. And then make open platforms where people can be creative and awesome and rad. Yeah. And Let's just screw go. these guys. Honestly, mm -hmm. I, the whole thing to me is just a grift of epic proportion. Here's my new accessibility to coolness graph. <laughs> Got the best producer. Here's your new X, Y axis to wrap this up, folks. I know we've been going on for a while here. All people mm -hmm. punk rock, right? Some mm -hmm. people mid. MLM, very few people. <laughs> very few people get to participate in Board Ape Yacht Club. Uh -huh. And it feels like an MLM to me. Yeah. I don't know what all people get to do that's punk rock. Yeah, Burning that's Man. a tough one. Burning Man. Perfect. All Go people burn. are not going to Burning Man. No, but they you can like, is the point. Anybody can. Or Minecraft. You have to know how to survive. I'm just saying. Okay, but all it is theoretically, life. if you're willing to risk your life, <laughs> you'll get saved. That's the other thing about Burning Man. If you screw up and you don't bring water and food, you'll be taken care of. Someone will save your dumb ass. Somebody yeah. will save your dumb ass if, you don't if you're too cold. They'll, they'll get you a blanket. That's punk rock. I want somebody to use like AI, like that Dolly stuff. Yeah. To then look at the greatest to take every time an ape sells um, to make a hundred versions of it with Dolly and then remint it as an AI interpretation on a hundred different vectors. So they program the AI mm -hmm. to come up with different vectors. Okay, make me a you know a Matisse version of this, make me an avant-garde version of this, make me a noir version of this ape. Mm -hmm. And then every time a board ape or a crypto prunk uh, happens, this thing anonymously on a distributed compute network makes a hundred versions of it and then lists it in a hundred different places for sale. So you're basically saying like every time you do commerce here, the AI is going to out commerce you. How sick would that be? Love it. The derivative like do something works AI. like that Let's and go. gives them for free. It gives them for free to the first hundred people who buy them yep. for a dollar each, whatever a dollar each that goes into programming the AI to be even better. Be great. Be great. And this land grifting, that's the other thing that makes me sick is this land grifting. The land grifting, don't even get me started. Like what? I mean, I mean really? Do, you can have any amount of land in Minecraft and Roblox, right? Do you have to pay to build a house? My kids are building houses and constructing things all day long in Minecraft exactly. and Roblox. I don't think they're paying anything. Grifters. It's just financialization. It's MLM. <sighs> all right. Before right. we belabor this even more Sorry. thank you for listening that's it thank that's you. it for our big monday energy we're ready to fight we're ready to fight this week fight let's go we saddle power. up we ride at dawn on monday but it's gonna be a good week it's gonna no, be a good punk week rock this shit, man like if you're really a crypto punk like yeah crypto punks are not worth a million dollars each okay if you're gonna be a crypto punk be punk rock punk rock that shit seriously people get it together all right, we got a big week for you. Uh, Molly's going to keep uh, doing these amazing founder interviews. Thanks for doing that uh, with the Launch Accelerator classes. And we're going to have the Power Law author, Sebastian Malaby, uh, later this week. He got sick yeah. last week, uh, excused absence, but we'll interview him this week. We got all kinds of good stuff coming this week. It's going to be a great, a great one. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. See you tomorrow. And if you want to hear us live, youtube.com slash this weekend, hit the subscribe and then the bell, join the Nodi gang. Do Bye -bye. it and join our This Week in Startups community on Twitter. It's super fun. Thisweekinstartups.com slash TC. Slash TC. Boom. Right. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, everybody. Bye.